Hello to all my autoimmune warriors. If you have found this podcast, that means that you do autoimmune disease differently. I am your host, Christy Burke. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and a self-proclaimed AI warrior just like you. Let's get into the show. Just a disclaimer here. This show does not diagnose or treat or give out any medical advice. Any guests that we have on the show are simply stating their experience. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, good afternoon. Hello. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let me know what your preferred pronouns are. I am Jennifer Kate, and I go by all pronouns because I'm called all pronouns all the time. So <laughs> okay. I'll take them all. Okay, so you are here um, because you are an autoimmune warrior, like some of our listeners. So can you tell me what led to your diagnosis, what your lifestyle was like prior to your diagnosis? Uh, first of all, I should say this, that from a young age, I had thyroid issues that were being addressed when I was probably 13 or 14. And then I proceeded to just savagely beat on my body with cigarettes and alcohol and a terrible diet. Um, just feeling like I was invincible and, um, really just kind of not taking care of it. Very reckless, a very reckless lifestyle. Okay. (laughs) Um, I was, I can't even, I think I was diagnosed in my late twenties with ulcerative colitis. Um, What happened? What led to your diagnosis? How did you find out about it? I had, I had rectal bleeding kind of very spotty off and on, but, um, I also find that very, at the time I found it very embarrassing to talk about. So I wouldn't talk to anyone about it, but I mean, I'll talk to anyone now about rectal bleeding. I don't care. <laughs> Hemorrhoids, rectal bleeding. You want to talk rectal about bleeding, poop? Rectal bleeding. I don't care. Rectal bleeding. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so it, there was some rectal bleeding and, um, finally it just got so bad. I remember, so I remember some key foods I was eating at the time. I was eating like a lot of almonds at work. Um, I was doing a really physical job. Um, and I always had really physical jobs too, that were depleting me. Um, eating a lot of almonds. And then also like, I just remember like just eating whatever I wanted because I thought my body will just handle this. Mm-hmm. That's what it's built for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's some almonds. Here's some super spicy chicken wings. Ex- explain <laughs> what you just said about depleting me. What does that mean? Depleting me. Oh, when you were talking, <laughs> you were talking- need to go back there when you were talking about your physical jobs. Oh, you know, I was a carpenter apprentice for like three and a half years. Um, at this particular time when my ulcerative class was escalating, um, I was working in a paint store. So slinging like five gallon buckets of paint, you know, from skids into machines to mixing them. I mean, it was really intense. Um, I was a painter. I was a house painter for 10 years. Um, so really physically just pushing my body to its limit. And then just not properly taking care of it because I didn't know anything about nutrition at the time. I just Mm -hmm. thought you just ate what you wanted and then you would just work it off at work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just cascaded into and escalate a cascade and escalate and escalated into um, really starting to lose a lot of blood rectally. So your bleeding started to increase. Mm -hmm. Did you have any other symptoms that now looking back you could attribute to ulcerative colitis mood you know now that i think about it it, the mood swings the unstable mood um 
the depression, the unhappiness, mm-hmm. um, but the mood swings. And the only reason I could tell you that is when I did what I did to take care of my ulcerative colitis is like feeling happiness for the first time. So those two don't exist without the other. Interesting. Um, but mainly, you know what? And I, you know what I have to take, I need to, I need to take that back a little bit because I did, I had stomach problems. Um, there were times where my stomach, I would just be bent over in pain because I wouldn't eat at the right times or I would go too long without eating. And then I would eat the wrong thing. And my stomach would just be, unbearable pain excruciating pain on the floor crying um that happened a lot okay um and then diarrhea bloody diarrhea Mm -hmm. you know but i mean this was i don't know how long ago 15 years ago it was embarrassing i mean people i knew people were experiencing it because when i started to talk about it then everybody wanted to talk about it but shame is really damaging you're, you feel embarrassed, you feel shameful, and then you don't tell anybody. And then I suffered in silence for a really, really long time because I was very afraid to tell anybody um, what was happening because it was so embarrassing. And then you have to go to the doctor and there's all these other invasive things that have to be done as they try to figure out what's going on, which is even more humiliating. So, so how bad did it have to get before you finally asked for help. I was having bloody diarrhea six, eight times a day and I was getting really tired. And, um, my wife, girlfriend at the time pushed me to go to the doctor, um, that it needed looked at. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody must be at the door. So, Then what happened once you sought medical treatment? What was that journey like for you? Trying to sit here and remember my first colonoscopy. um, They found ulcers on the lower portion of my colon, but they didn't really find anything else um, in my colon. Um, I started with sulfasezaline, I think, sulfur drug. They wanted to throw all these drugs at me. Um, I, first of all, should say too, I didn't have health insurance at the time. Um, I, the 2008 recession hit, I lost my job. Uh, my spouse took a position in another city. I was desperate and they, I was, so it was also very conscientious too, that I didn't want the additional financial stress. That's another thing. Side note, when you're sick, the last thing you need is to incur a, tremendous amount of medical debt to be faced with that after you've recovered or you're sick. So Mm -hmm. for some reason, I don't know why I was just very astute and very on that. Like I'm, I'm not going to go into an incredible amount of debt so you can cut, burn, or poison me. Mm -hmm. We're not going that route. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started to do some research on some diets. So let me back up. My apologies. Um, because I know a little bit about your story, I want to just be, make sure that I'm walking our listeners through this. So um, they wanted to recommend pharmaceutical drugs, Mm -hmm. and you did use some of them. Mm -hmm. I did. Okay. And then then what happened? Then they wanted to do surgery? I decided to go to Rush University uh, Research Hospital um, to get another 
opinion. And, um, at that point I can't remember if I was on the diet then or not. So I went to rush and the doctor there basically said that, um, I, she had looked at my colonoscopy. She looked at everything and she said, well, you need to start preparing for your colon to be removed and what life looks like with a colostomy bag. And I was like, that's not an answer for me. We're not doing that. Um, that's devastating. It was frightening. It was frightening to have someone say that. And then what was also really difficult was telling, trying to tell them about this diet that was actually working for me. I was mm-hmm. seeing improvements on, but they didn't want to hear it. Um, there wasn't enough scientific evidence or like a real life human being sitting in front of you is not enough. I uh-huh. mean, you, what, we have to go to lab on this. We have to get a hypothesis. Like, come on, I'm here telling you. So mm-hmm. to have this weapon of the diet and then to be told, well, be prepared. You're going to need a colostomy bag. That was very frustrating. So I went to rush. They said she really couldn't see anything either. The lower portion of the colon, um, where where the ulcers were located. So, um, armed with that, I kind of just walked away from the medical industry at that point. Um, so tell us about the diet that you did. Um, because before, you told me about it. I had never heard of this type of uh, protocol or this way of eating. I hadn't heard of it either. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, I was talking to him about what was happening and, and he, um, his niece was going through something similar and he recommended the book and it's called the specific carbohydrate diet by Elaine Gottschall. And I thought, man, but if this saves my life, I got to try it. Um, so I got the book and then I read it like three times. I would highly recommend that to anyone who's going on a diet. Just don't blindly start it. But so I, I got hold of the book. I read it three times and uh, decided I had picked a date. I think it was around September the 15th. I can't remember the years. I'm sorry. But I had a date picked out because there were things I needed to have prepared, you know, everything needed to be, um, home cooked at that point because everything has additives in it. You know, and this was before paleo. So things weren't clean. Like you can find clean things now. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything clean. So everything had to be homemade, homemade chicken broth, beef broth, beef stock. All of my condiments had to be homemade. Um, so basically it's paleo, um, no sugar, no pasta, no grains, to make my own yogurt mm-hmm. to, to try to rebuild the gut bacteria or the gut microbiome, pardon me. Uh, so I started that diet. Um, and I was on the diet for four years. Um, and I never cheated. That was the, that was the premise of the diet was that you're going to make these really great foods, nutrient dense and you basically, you first have to rebuild your gut lining with healing bone broth. Um, once you get things kind of stable, you go kind of, you do go on a, on a, how do you say it? Yeah, like a three or four day cleanse where you're just taking it easy. You're getting your gut calmed down, sleeping, just kind of like trying to get a good base level. And then what you would do is you reintroduce foods as you could tolerate them. And so that journey was like four years. I did that. Um, 
again, making the own, making my own yogurt, the kefir, things like that to make mm-hmm. sure those probiotics were also being repopulated in the gut. So basically rebuilding your entire gut microbiome. Um, some things I found on that diet, I remember in November, I remember um, after like some of the nasty stuff started to die off, like I started to feel happy. And like joyous, I remember, remember taking apart a fan and fixing it mm-hmm. and going, oh my gosh, this diet's changed how my mentally, how I work. Because another thing I forgot to tell you was the brain fog. You get the brain fog. You can't think you just are mm-hmm. just, that disappeared when I was on the diet. I no longer had brain fog. Um, so for me to be able to sit down and take apart a fan without getting super irritated mm-hmm. or um, upset and then just being happy. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was just two months into the diet. I was going to ask you um, about that timeline. So you say you were on it for four years. When did you start seeing or noticing um, a difference? Oh, it was definitely two months in. Okay. Um, that I could see a difference just in how I was feeling like... Um, psychologically just having a better mood, more patient, kind. Um, and things started to improve. Um, they kind of plateaued a little bit. Um, I was still experiencing, there were times where I was still experiencing blood in my stool. I, I don't, I still think honestly, as I look back at that, almonds are really hard for me to digest. And so on that particular diet, we had a lot of nut flowers. So now that I think about it, the bleeding was triggered a lot of times from almonds because when I would switch over to pecan meal or a cashew meal, Mm -hmm. um, they would subside. You know, it sounds, the specific carbohydrate diet sounds very similar to the autoimmune protocol. Mm -hmm. The autoimmune protocol cuts out nuts and seeds. So interesting. mm -hmm. Um, and then just like your diet, you would reintroduce foods to see how you tolerate them. Mm -hmm. So by then the inflammation has gone down and then you can see how you truly react to each food that you're reintroducing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think had I cut out the almond meal, I think that some of those bloody episodes would have um, disappeared a little more quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually it did have to take a couple of like enemas to try to get that area calmed down but mm-hmm. i haven't had any gosh i'm terrified to say it like i want to knock on something um i haven't had any um i've been in remission for a while i haven't had a um what am I, what's the word i'm trying to find here um relapses if you will and that's been i think remission is remission. a good mm-hmm. word yeah um m- meaning that you have not had any symptoms of your ulcerative colitis Mm -hmm. how long has that been probably 10 years at this point i would think i think it's about 10 years and i eat whatever i want now um but very cautiously Mm -hmm. um when you go through something like that and you that diet was when you change your diet um I've quit smoking, I've quit drinking, but a diet change has been far the most difficult thing because it's cultural. It's what brings people together. So when you, and when you're offered food that someone makes, I mean, that's time and effort and thought. And when you say no, it's, for me, it was just internally devastating to say, I'm sorry, I can't eat that because it's, that's a gift. And, uh, that was really, really difficult. Um, 
I have very open boundaries and those were very firm boundaries I had to set up to say, I can't eat that. And I'm sorry. And people weren't understanding at that point. Not like they do now. People get it now, but even, you know, 15 years ago, people didn't understand that if I eat that, it's going to eventually kill me. I mean, we're none of us get out of life, but nonetheless, yeah. it's going to make my life really miserable. Yeah. And that was four years of that. Four years, four years of not going out to eat, moving to a new city where, you know, you kind of get to know a city by going out to eat. Um, we didn't go out to eat. We didn't have dinner. You know, you move to a new city, you go out to dinner with friends. There's no going out. I mean, I would go out to dinner with friends, but packing my own food, a little strange, still uh-huh. a little strange mm-hmm. at that point. Um, going to family gatherings, um, I would... I would try to incorporate the dishes into our meals, but, you know, Thanksgiving was always challenging. Christmas was always challenging. Easter, all of those big holidays. Um, I got better at it. I got more creative. I was able to also introduce other people to really good food. I mean, the food wasn't bad. The food is delicious because Mm -hmm. it's just so clean and good. Um, When I was on AIP and the low histamine diet, um, which is very restrictive, Um, I definitely, I was only on it for a year and I felt, um, very socially isolated. I had to say no to a lot of things. So I really understand that. Mm -hmm. So what is your life like now? I eat what I want for the most part. Things I stay away from. I don't do a lot of nuts anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned a lot about food. I've learned a lot about how food is grown, nutrient content, uh, how important taking care of the land is for us to have good food to eat. Um, I've really grabbed a hold of local food. I do like wild foraging now too, to just take it a little, a little deeper. Um, the food is the most important thing in my life. Um, and it's fascinating and it's full of colors and textures. And, um, you start, you meet farmers, you meet these people that are really doing these really wonderful things because everybody needs to eat. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to eat. What do you think is the importance of, um, eating local? Because you, you know, you're one of my very good friends and you do, you're always at the farmer's market. You're always finding, apples in the woods and eating them and um you know what you can eat when you're in the woods like i hear you talk about it all the time so what is the importance of um the richness of the soil and eating local if you could explain that a little bit i want to eat where i live because those things that are growing where i live is also where i'm growing and living um and it also personal responsibility. I can talk to that farmer. What are you doing to the land? Tell me what you're doing to this food that I'm putting in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, it's money is a choice. Money is a relationship. And when I give money to you, I want you to be supporting how I believe and how I want to live my life. That's a very authentic relationship that is very important to me. So when I do go to the farmer's market, I go to a place about called unity gardens, mm-hmm. um, started by a woman who is seeing how nutritional deficiencies um, in her nursing job was damaging communities and and started this free garden. Um, 
and she understands the importance of, of the, the good soil, um, mineral content, taking care of things properly. Mm-hmm. That feeds us. Um, if I can keep it local, I can keep it authentic. I can, I'm also not paying into the whole, you know, exploitation of labor, uh, trucks carrying it, picking it before it's nutritionally, uh, optimal. Mm-hmm. So it can be shipped here. I, I don't like any of that. It, that doesn't serve anyone really well, except for maybe a large corporation who's making a lot of money mm-hmm. on people just not eating well. Um, what I also, the wild foraging thing I love because I want to eat where my feet are planted. I, I lo- it's free food. Like for me to just mm-hmm. go for a walk and just be able to be so in the moment that I can just say, thanks, thank you it's everything i need is right here i love that concept of i have everything that i need mm-hmm. and i don't need anything more than that um I, I love that well thank you for being here jennifer kate and um i think that about wraps it up thank you for having me you were quite delightful yeah. and that's all for today's show If you like the show, please subscribe and recommend to a friend. You can find all episodes at Burke's Pharmacy. That's B-U-R-K-S Pharmacy with an F, F F-A-R-M-A-C-Y dot com under the podcast tab. And remember, be kind to yourself.